Welcome to Intersection Magazine podcast. This week we are broadcasting uh, live from uh, Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Later on we will be moving on to uh, uh, Zanzibar. But we got this opportunity actually through a partnership with Kotani Pay. Um, the plan is to of course cover as much as possible the Tanzania tech and innovation ecosystem. So we hope that you will enjoy the conversations we'll be having. Um, this episode is really just to give you a rough idea where we're going with this and what we're planning to do. Um, of course, share some insights in terms of what Kotanipi has to offer as a partner. Um, and then um, give you uh, some summaries as, uh, from um, uh, an image that I was sent by one of the people that hopefully we'll be interviewing and talking to. Um, it's, uh, it's a graphical image describing the Tanzania tech and innovation ecosystem, uh, which I think is important to discuss. So we hope you enjoy this um, episode. Um, episode. I wanted to share with you a few things about uh, our partner Kotani Pay, who we're partnering with in this visit. Um, Kotani Pay is pretty much an on-ramp, off-ramp platform. Uh, we're based uh, in Africa. And what on-ramp, on-ramp, and off-ramp means is pretty much interaction, uh, uh, where you have your cryptocurrencies move either from exchanges or from uh, one currency to another. That's what's called on-ramping and off-ramping when you uh, move uh, your cryptocurrencies to and then from uh, various exchanges uh, and I guess different uh, payment platforms and applications. And they usually provide these services through an API, an application uh, interface. And um, they have several use cases that they uh, uh, they meet or they provide. Um, one of them is remittance, which is uh, a billion-dollar market. Um, for forex arbitrage, which is basically uh, trade or movement of forex from one uh, person to another uh, for profit. And then there's lending, there's insurance, and these are all applications of the system. There's savings. There's a uh, social protection for, as we described, we later described for NGOs that need to move money uh, when they have certain users or for what some people call universal basic income, which is a new concept that many countries are beginning to explore. And then, of course, uh, business financing and gig, coin, gig, gig work, I mean, where people basically have uh, ability to receive payment for the services they provide in what people call the gig economy. Um, where you know you have, may have a preference of receiving your money through uh, cryptocurrency that's probably a bit more stable um, than your local currency. So those are some of the applications that Kotani Pay um, uh, makes available to us. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know about that service. Um, uh, I met the director and when I was visiting Kenya, and we had some interesting conversations. So if you get some time, please do listen to our conversation that we had with uh, Felix Masharia. Um, and after some conversations uh, back then, we decided we wanted to uh, do a trip together and to explore opportunities in, in Tanzania. Um, so we wanted to thank 
Kotani pay for that opportunity. Um, so, but to please do visit their website and um, find out what they what services they offer, and you know, um, I think they have a great service. Thank you. So the first thing I really wanted to do, and um, uh, and one of the things that was behind me when I was thinking about my visit to Tanzania was, uh, I kept thinking about um, um, the possibilities that exist for gig work and for uh, digital nomads that you know people who want to take advantage of locations that are ideal uh, physically and for various other reasons such as technical infrastructure, um, accommodation. Uh, decent tax, taxation systems. I think the list is endless, but different uh, geographies can make decisions about how they want their economies to relate to local people, people with talent. And uh, they can create um, environments that are attractive to these kinds of people. So when I thought about um, Tanzania and Zanzibar, that's the first thing that came to my mind, especially Zanzibar. Of course, later on, with interaction with some people that are part of the system already, I found out that there's obviously already some initiatives that are at work, um, such as Silicon Zanzibar, uh, which we hope to probably visit and, and meet and interact with. Um, but that was at the back of my mind when I was thinking about Tanzania. Now, I have to acknowledge also that a lot of my research for all of this came from interactions with various personalities on the internet and companies, organizations, whatever you want to call them. And one of them was, of course, Tanzania Startup Association. Uh, I found the interactions very useful because what I did was, um, of course, I did uh, you know, a general search for Google about Tanzania startups, but I came across a Tanzania Startup Association on Twitter. I sent them a message. They were very quick to respond. And then we had a back and forth. Um, uh, you know, uh, about who I should talk to and they gave me a list of some of the major players in the industry. And uh, the reason this is important is because um, I believe that associations are really important uh, part of uh, startup ecosystems. And I think uh, also general life and employment, you need to be able to be part of a larger membership organization that has uh, uh, that has skills that, that 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 you can learn from, that you can use also as well to lobby for, uh, you know, positions, um, whether that's regulation or laws that come into place that have may not have been thought about. That you can use associations to uh, to get uh, more reach and to get a bigger voice to achieve a bigger voice. And if you listen to our podcast uh, from Kenya when we interviewed Kirimi Mitambo. He talked about how the EdTech uh, Association of Kenya has played a pivotal role in, in the development of the space. And he also mentioned how important those kinds of relationships are for, uh, for uh, startups in general. So um, it just, just proved itself when I was able to interact with the Startup Association of Tanzania and how they connected me to some of the people that you'll be hearing from the next few weeks. Um, so that's uh, just one part, of course, to acknowledge uh, the importance of that uh, meeting and how quickly they responded. Um, which brings me to my second or maybe third point, which is it's so important for, for, for you as organizations to, to have a social media presence and to have that, a responsive social media presence. 
uh, because uh, you may find that you're missing out on opportunities with people that want to uh, give you access or give you a, a platform by which you can um, express yourself and uh, tell your story because uh, literally that's what most of us are trying to do is we're trying to tell our stories and um, uh, uh, you know advance ourselves so let's go into um, the overview of the startup ecosystem and this was put together by Tanzania Startup Association, COSTEC, the ICT Commission of Tanzania, Botna Foundation and Seagull Family Foundation. And this, by the way, was sent to me by uh, Catherine Rose. Um, she's a core, uh, prominent voice in the, the industry, ICT industry and innovation at the tech workspace. Uh, and so she sent me this uh, overview which, was, which I find really useful, but I also wanted to share, see if we could break it down in one podcast episode, hopefully uh, that you will benefit. Now, what it says is about uh, 2020 had about maybe 247 uh, non-startups. Uh, that picked up to almost double plus, of, uh, probably maybe two and a half times to 587 in 2021. And current number is about, oh, then in 2022, you have about 673. Current numbers are uh, definitely much larger, but you had, 20, you had 673 in 2022. In terms of geographical coverage, uh, naturally, as can be expected, you have uh, most of the startups are in, um, in, in Dar es Salaam. Um, that's about 66.56% in Dar es Salaam. And then you have another that's kind of large is Arusha. Once has 3.91 startups, or a percentage of startups rather. Um, uh, Iring has about 2.19% of all the startups in the country. Then you have about 2.26, 2.66 in Dodoma, 4.22 in Bea and then the rest are distributed uh, rather evenly, but in small numbers in the rest of the regions of Tanzania. Um, you know, people that study this, uh, you can make your own conclusions about why these numbers are the way they are and how uh, we can uh, boost those numbers to, to increase them. But those are the numbers as it stands. Um, and then in terms of uh, the sector, the most active sector of, is software as a service, what some people call SAS, uh, SAAS, uh, which is 25.9%, followed by agri-tech, and then fintech, and then e-commerce, then health tech, uh, then media, um, energy manufacturing goes comes after that, then uh, construction real estate, um, architecture, then you've got digital marketing, um, then you have um, recruitment and uh, uh, human resource. Then you have entertainment and events, about 0.2. Travel and uh, tech tourism, that's about 3%. Um, then you've got edtech. Edtech is rather low. Um, then you've got logistics and mobility. And then other under the kind of miscellaneous category, you have about 10.5% of all of, of all startups um, that are that are in that area. Um, so of course, uh, my concern, and for, for those of of you that are in ed tech, my concern is uh, why the number is so small. Uh, because the need is really really great. Then in terms of uh, gender diversity, it's about maybe three percent women. 
uh, or rather 17, 17 sorry, 17.2% are female owned, 76.6% are male owned, and then um, 6.3% are male female owned. Um, then according to the numbers in 2022, the big deal report, um, Tanzania startups uh, collectively raised about 80.57 million USD in, fun in funding. And the largest uh, proportion of that funding went to the fintech sector, uh, which makes sense. Um, as described before, um, then you also have about maybe uh, the, the number, amount of funding that was secured by founders is about 9.92.3 uh, from male founders and then 7.7 .7 from female founders. And so the ladies need to uh, engage a little bit more in this space. Um, and hopefully we'll be having some discussions about how we can change that. Then in terms of um, funding type, um, C series uh, A was about 8.3, C C uh, the seed uh, level was about 25%. Uh, Venture rounds were about 33.3%. Series C was about 8.33. And then uh, the amount of funding raised by grants is about 25%. Um, then uh, we have some numbers about uh, the jobs created uh, by startups. The numbers have increased amazingly from about 32,000 jobs in 2020 to 78,000. That's about double uh, in 2021 to about 89,000 in 2022, so the, the jump from 2021 to 2022 wasn't that great. Then there's also a, a, an issue about entrepreneurship and innovation support organizations uh, distribution in terms of geography, where they uh, based and where, where, what sectors uh, are they investing in, but mainly where are they based. So most of the entrepreneurship support and innovation organizations are in Dar es Salaam followed by Arusha, then I guess Mbeya, uh, or rather Morogoro, then Mbeya. Uh, then uh, you have quite a number in Zanzibar. You have about 5.94 in Mwanza, um, about 6.93 in Iringa. So those of you, of course, who are familiar with Tanzania's ecosystem and the geography and language and culture, and all the uh, the social uh, issues about uh, the distribution of population probably understand a little bit more about this. Um, but of course, these numbers might change. For example, I heard that there's going to be a partnership between an, a, a university in India and the and the and the um, and the island of Zanzibar. So of course, that's that's bound to change the dynamics of um, who the main players are going to be in the ESO or rather entrepreneurship and innovation support organizations. Now, the, the numbers for these entrepreneurship support organizations, are, it's split between incubators, accelerators, community, maker spaces, fab labs, and living labs. Now, um, there's a conversation we had in Uganda about um, some of our hubs and hubs the young man said, or someone said, that they were pretty much um, just co-working spaces. 
And I think that uh, whereas, whereas you can make a case for that idea, but they also provide some very basic um, incubation and acceleration services. And how, what do I mean? Well, sometimes what happens with our hubs is they partner with um, larger groups, maybe banks or in Uganda's case, NSSF. Um, they have a project that they run with startups very regularly. And sometimes the rigorous process that startups are involved in to win these competitions, I think should be considered as some sort of uh, business incubation, although naturally incubation services are, uh, con consist of quite a, quite a lot, as well as acceleration services. And we obviously do encourage startups to take part or, or to become part of an acceleration group because this is usually where uh, most of the funding uh, comes from. Uh, that uh, people that have funds will judge a startup's um, success and, and fundability based on the idea that they've been through some kind of business accelerator. So um, I do encourage, we do encourage uh, startups to be part of this. But the numbers are as follows. You have about 60% uh, of all ESOs, out of the 122 ESOs, 60% are incubators, 50% are accelerators. Um, uh, Forty-nine percent comes from uh, 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 community. Nineteen percent comes from maker spaces. Um, then fourteen percent comes from fab labs and fabrication labs, and then eleven percent comes from living labs. And um, the report says that the percentages exceed one hundred percent because some ESOs or some entrepreneurship or innovation support organizations usually offer multiple services. Now, in terms of the year-on-year -year growth and the number of uh, entrepreneurship support organizations, the numbers were about uh, uh, quite low in 2010, but they've risen substantially uh, or significantly in uh, 2022. Um, there was a bit of a drop in 2014. I'm not sure why that reason exists, but then there was a jump of 2014 to 2016, uh, and, uh, been a bit of a slump between 2018 and 2020, probably related to um, uh, some of the lockdowns that we went through. And then there was um, an increase in 2022. Now the entrepreneurship uh, support organizations, in terms of um, uh, where, what they're focusing on, that 81% usually fo focus on the idea stage, 94% focus on the early stage uh, of the startup, and then 61% focus on the growth stage, a very small number, of, which is 11% focus on scaling, and then an even smaller number focus on, on the exit round, which is about 5%. Um, then the report suggests that the high concentration of startups in the early and the idea stages suggests um, a need for more support to help businesses grow and succeed. Because as we said, that there are very few that are uh, scaling, uh, that are participating in the scaling stage and naturally the exit stage, because we don't have too many um, startups that make it to that level. Now, there's also what I suppose are called uh, business development services. Uh, 
And what the report talks about is learning institutions and their participation in business development services. Um, there's a percentage of about 35.9% learning institutions that are offering BDS services or programs. Then 64% are not offering business uh, development services. Um, now, this is, is interesting because, uh, again, we have conversations before in Uganda where we were talking about how um, that uh, hubs in, in Europe or specifically for that meeting, hubs in Germany or Saxony um, usually have uh, were located in uh, educational institutions. And we pointed out in this interaction that um, that there had been there had been major shifts, probably you can talk about disruption to where the center of innovation was sometimes was shifting from uh, traditional places such as educational institutions to to other places. And this was a change that uh, people needed to recognize. Now, the other thing that we um, that we realized also was that uh, you really, if you look into the construction or the or the structure of a hub, hubs are, are really uh, they're, they're, they're quite a varied structure. They're very different, many different types of hubs. Just like we said, some may be based in educational institutions, others may be uh, uh, may be based uh, where businesses are functioning around businesses. Others may be um, based around the founders themselves, that the founder decide we're going to set up a hub where we support ourselves and we, we, uh, we you know, we create we create spaces that are uh, of benefit to us. Other hubs may be maybe may have a stronger leaning towards funding, you know. So there are many different types of hubs, and this is something that I think uh, is also important to note. Then they also talked about government um, uh, ministries, departments, and agencies, or MDEs, as they're known in these parts. Um, and they talked about um, how uh, there are about 190 MDAs in Tanzania, and these provide support to entrepreneurs both directly and indirectly. And they said about maybe 11% comes from ministries, 75% um, comes from agencies and institutions, and then 13% comes from government departments. Now, in terms of the funding, the numbers are about maybe 27% in fintech, 27% in agriculture, so that's about equal, 9% in retail, 9% in energy, 9% in deep tech, 9% in services, 9% in education. Then there's also a chart that talks about um, the active uh, capital providers, um, commercial banks, community banks, microfinance banks, de development finance bank, credit reference bureau, financial leasing company, mortgage finance institution, venture capital, angel investor, impact investor, private equity, and government empowered fund. That sounds a little bit like a, maybe might be related to a sovereign wealth fund, I'm not sure. Anyway, that's um, a, a breakdown and most of the, uh, the active capital providers come from uh, the commercial bank as well as the Government Empowerment Fund. Now, um, in terms of the key findings and analysis, the ESOs are addressing 90% uh, skills gap uh, among the 800,000 annual job market entrants. Um, then also, um, they, there was a, an interesting uh, finding that they have about the, the entrepreneurs who had actually accessed uh, skills training 
that 30% had not accessed training, 69% had accessed some form of training. Um, the numbers uh, of the, that had not accessed training increased from 26 to 30% in 2022, from 2021. Um, but the, the number that had accessed training also decreased, or rather decreased, from 74% to 69%. Now, um, uh, in terms of the focus areas that uh, the ESOs were addressing, 23% were uh, related to business-related communities, 7% was uh, makerspaces, 26% in accelerators, 18% in incubators, 5% in living labs, and 17% in educational institutions. And these are the providers of entrepreneurial skills. So you see that the, the larger number is in business-related communities, accelerators, as well as incubators, or of course, educational institutions, which makes sense, at least in terms of educational institutions. Uh, now, um, now, in terms of the, uh, the actual skills, skill development issues, we have product development at about um, 34%, investment readiness at about 5%, sales and marketing at about 23%, finance and accounting at about 5.5%, legal and regulatory at about 28%, human resources at about 5%. And these are comparisons between the 2022 and 2021. So um, skills that are needed for entrepreneurs, of course, there's product development skills, investment, read investment readiness, so that's a bit probably economics. Um, then, of course, there's sales and marketing, finance, accounting, legal, regulatory, and then human resource. So that gives a rough idea um, in terms of where you can put your energies in terms of uh, if you're providing skills to entrepreneurs, are you a lawyer? Um, can you help uh, create a system where you can help them in compliance for your startups? Uh, are you an accountant? How can you help uh, align their documents or what they need as startups to to be able to to be investment ready? You know, what, which is of course linked to the investment readiness uh, section. Are you into sales and marketing, or are you into product product development? Now, there also there is also I guess a comparison between local entrepreneurial support organizations and then global based entrepreneurship support organizations. Um, the, those that are exclusively global are 16.25%. Those that are both global and local are 35 or 33%. And then the local is the largest number, which is about 50%. So that's good to know that we have, or that Tanzania has quite a number of local based entrepreneurship support organizations. Now, um, in terms of what are the needs for, or in terms of skill, um, the greatest number, I suppose, is investment readiness, which makes sense. And then the second one is regulatory and legal, which is a challenge to the lawyers to do a little bit more interaction. Then there is uh, sales and marketing, finance, uh, and finally human resource. But of course, you have to ask yourself, which is the most important one for your, um, your startup. Then there's also a number on sources of funding for startups in 2022. 
Um, there's a um, savings at 36.1, family and friends at 32.7, grants at 18.9, loans um, from banks, uh, microfinances at about 7.6, and then um, equity investment and financial investment at about 4.3. Uh, usually, we I, I suppose we used to be told that for a startup you have you've got the four Fs: your friends, your family, and then of course what what was sometimes referred to as fools. But those are usually the sources of of, of your primary sources of funding. Um, but as you can see here, that you as as friends and family is like thirty two point six percent. So um, and, you know savings is about thirty six point one. Then um, now, uh, in terms of uh, I suppose capital providers, this uh, the report talks about capital providers that backed startups in fundraising in 2022. Um, that the largest number was from savings, just as already spoken about. Then the second came from development partners. So this is so important to, for the country as it uh, seeks to grow, uh, not how it interacts with its neighbors. And sometimes this, but partnerships with development partners do affect um, the, the startup landscape and ecosystem. Then about 21% from angel investors and then 15% from government uh, uh, empowered local funds. And then commercial banks was about 4.8. And then 2.8, 2.4 came from venture capitalists. Um, then, of course, uh, they talk about uh, ticket sizes. The tickets are usually amounts of money that are devoted to startups. You have at about maybe 31.25%, between $5,000 and $10,000, which is about um, uh, the greatest number, the biggest number of funding, usually for small, uh, small tickets, or what was considered small tickets. Uh, a million and above is at about 375 um, and the number, the number decreases, or the percentage of uh, ticket size decreases, as 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 the number increases. Now, there's also a section that talks about the challenges that are faced by startups in applying for grants. Uh, one of them is a lack of technical knowledge, which is the greatest. Then, process application is about twenty eight percent. Lengthy fund processing time is about 19.75%. Lack of awareness is about 18.52. Of course, as startups, this information is important because it will help you um, know where your strengths or your weaknesses are and where you should be paying more attention. Of course, what also this means is then there's room for, 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 for the development of your accelerators and incubators because these are all challenges that accelerators and incubators can help. Uh, of startups deal with. Then there's a number here that's interesting, about 38.8 were uh, able to raise their funds while about 61.3 failed to raise their funds. Um, but as we re revealed in the numbers before that uh, for those that wanted ticket size between $5,000 and $10,000, the numbers were good enough. I suppose that 31% isn't too bad, but the numbers decreased the larger the ticket size. So maybe that's an issue about uh, uh, the startups themselves. Can they be trusted to deal with large chunks of money? 
Um, then uh, challenges faced by startups when applying for equity. Uh, they talked about the competitive environment, um, lack of readiness, the length of investment time, which we already spoke about. Um, but of course, there's a difference between application for grants and application for equity, applying for equity. And those differences should be, should be highlighted. Um, and of course, I think it's also important to, to, uh, to get to the place where, where your startups understand the language. For those that I think have been more successful, they understand the language that the uh, uh, investors, uh, investors speak. And it doesn't, it doesn't do you any, any harm if you have a bit of accounting knowledge and some basic economic knowledge. Then um, challenge of startups, uh, challenges startups face when applying for loans. So we distinguish between grants, equity and loans. As I said before, that would be an interesting conversation to have. So this is um, an overview of the Tanzania startup ecosystem in 2022. Tanzania Startup Association, Costec, ICT Commission, Botnar, and Seagulls Foundation. And I think it's a useful document to have and probably talk about and discuss, as well as have as a, a handy guide uh, when you're developing as a founder, but of course also if you're in the acceleration space or in the incubation space, or if you're a hub providing these services. Um, so, this is pretty much going to serve as a guide for, um, of course, for the conversations we're going to have, but also for the future for other uh, startup ecosystems. So I hope some of it made sense. I hope I've not bore, bored you, but um, the ideas that I discussed in this document are important. So if you can, please get uh, a download of it. I think it's available in PDF online. Uh, so thank you very much.